Thank you, Casey. I appreciate that so much. But can y'all hear me? Okay, I'm going to get closer here a little bit. And I brought everybody a Be Our Guest card from Chick-fil-A, so don't. Um, so be sure and get one before you leave tonight. And they're digital now, so we in IT are very proud of that. <laughs> um, I was so stressed out coming tonight, and I had all my notes, and I was trying to memorize, and I was like, why am I doing this? I just talk. Read your notes if you need to read it. So um, anyway, so that's my big disclaimer before we even start. And um, Casey, thank you so much for very kind words, and Casey's friendship is so special to me. Um, I, I get choked up here already, and you notice I had to have Kleenex here before we get started, because I know I'll need it for sure. Um, but uh, when Casey talked about my name is Linda Gale, and Belinda's name was Belinda Gale, and, you know, two redheads, and uh, and so uh, Amber and I always, when we pal around, talk about redheads rule, and um, uh, that, the Lord put that together, really, the, the last year of Belinda's life, and uh, it was really an anointed time, and um, so grateful to God for that opportunity just to know her and to... Um, you know, get connected here at Apostles through that relationship. So it was really beautiful. Um, I'm so grateful to Amber for doing all the graphics for me tonight. And uh, I am a person who's totally visual. So I have to have something to look at. And uh, so bear with me. And, uh, and Buddy, I just say thank you for being here and helping us tonight as well. So um, we'll get started. And um, so... Um, one of my dearest friends and a person that's had a huge influence on my life, Joanne, um, is, who was a great Bible teacher, taught CBS for many, many years. And when she would talk about teaching, she would always talk about this. The first time I'd ever heard anyone say this, I just sit down and wait for the Lord to give, it, give to me what I should teach. And so um, that has so impacted my life that I want to... I, I can go to a million places to learn and to teach, but I always want to sit down and hear what God wants me to do and share. And so the title is definitely from the Lord, and um, it's about unanswered prayer. And um, when I was sitting, um, I, I, if you do not journal, one of my big messages tonight is start journaling. One of the things that does is get things out, and you can read it and see it, and then make change if you need to. So in my journal, I was writing all this out, and um, I was like, it's got to be one word. You know, everything today is one word, unbroken, or broken, unbroken. Um, it's all these different TV shows, proof, you know, all those kinds of things. So when God gave me unanswered, I was ecstatic. And I thought, oh my gosh, for this group, it'll be awesome. And so, but the, when God can but doesn't is a message that I've... Um, had to share many times, the Lord has given me to share. It is not an easy message, I will say, but, um, but, but there's good stuff in it. So that's where that came from. Um, another thing about me is, is my just huge love of music. And I never want to talk or teach without starting with a song. And so, um, once I got the title, then, I, of course, I started to pray, what is the song that the Lord is going to give me? And um, when uh, the Bible teachers had our year-end luncheon, just celebrating what the Lord's done throughout teaching the past year, um, I, was, I was telling about getting the song, and they're all giving me nominations. Evidently, Garth Brooks has some song 
unanswered prayer, is that right? I was like, it's not gonna be that. Um, and so, uh, but the Lord had already given me this song. I was like, no, I already have this song. And it's Hold Me Jesus by uh, Big Daddy Weave. And, um, and you know, um, so um, this is the opening line for it. And um, I'll talk more about green later. But um, what I'd love for us to do tonight is, if you would be so kind, is what I'd like for you to do is just close your eyes and listen to this, and let's, let's come into God's presence. Let's hear his voice, and as Ann Voskamp says, let's see the sacred in the chaos. And so um, uh, I'm gonna close my eyes and listen. When I did this at home the first time, I mean, I was just sobbing, so I hope I won't get to that. Um, but it's just such a powerful song, and I love his voice. And so, um, Hold Me Jesus by Big Daddy Weave. Just don't make sense at all When the mountains look so big And my faith just seems so small So hold me Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory Won't you be my prince of Be my prince of 
Come and be my prince of peace Lord, you are the prince of peace Let me pray for us, if you would. <clears throat> Our God, Father, and Savior, tonight as I heard this song by Jeff Weaver, Big Daddy Weave, I so related to the opening phrase of the song, sometimes my life just don't make sense at all. Tonight I'm going to share some things from my story that have been hard, have been painful, and have been disappointing. These, are, these things don't make sense at all to my finite mind. I take hope and direction from the rest of Jeff's beautiful song. When he looked at the mountains in his life, his fear, and described his condition, he, these words are in the middle of the song. Surrender don't come natural to me. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than to take what you give that I need. I've beaten my head against so many walls. Now I'm falling down on my knees. He identified what he needed to do, but what is difficult for us all to do, surrender. In the words of the beautiful old hymn, I surrender all, I surrender all. Jeff falls on his knees in prayer and cries out, God, please. When each of us feels overwhelmed, afraid, in places that don't make sense at all, help us to fall on our knees and say, I surrender all. I surrender all, God, please. We know that your grace rings out so deep, it will make our resistance seem so thin. I pray your anointing on every word spoken tonight about surrender and prayer. Please take away anything that is not of you. I pray that you will meet, encourage, and pour out your love on each person here tonight. May we leave tonight more in love with you and closer to each other as sisters in Christ. Please hear me, merciful Father, by our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Um, do you like that song? Good. All right. Um, okay. Um, when I wrote the blurb that was in... I nearly had a heart attack two weeks ago when I walked into church and was like, oh my gosh, it's in the bulletin. <laughs> my name is in the bulletin. I was like, oh, I guess I got to really do this now. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, no pressure. Um, but the first sentence that I, wrote, that I wrote by certainly God's inspiration, in each of our stories, there are situations that cause great disappointment and pain. So when I sat down to put together what I was going to say tonight, I thought that is exactly what I need to b begin with in each of our stories. So I'm gonna start with my story at, um, here first. Uh, and you know, I'm a native Atlantan. There are not that many of us left here anymore. Um, I'm gonna move around a little bit. Um, I'm the oldest in my family. Um, I have a brother and two sisters, and uh, both my parents have passed away. They're both gone. And, um, but I went to Catholic school from first grade to 12th grade. I grew up Catholic. And um, I have millions of pictures of me and a little beanie and a white shirt and a little tie and uh, S.A. St. Anthony's. And, uh, but I've never worn a pleated skirt since 12th grade. <laughs> and I will never wear a pleated skirt <laughs> ever again. Um, and... Um, 
you know, there's a great book called Growing Up Catholic, or, and um, if you grew up Catholic, it's hilarious. You would want to try to do that. Um, I um, have, uh, I went to Georgia State. I have a BA in elementary education, and uh, when I was uh, teaching, I had the opportunity to go to Emory and get my master's, and it was through an assistantship program there, because you know Emory is a gazillion dollars a year, and so I didn't have to pay anything for that. It's a huge blessing, and uh, at the time, it was just such a center for really fine education teachers, and um, at the core of who I am is a teacher. And so I think it's always good to just, in your life, shuck it down to one word about who you are. And for me, that's it. Um, I became a Christian uh, when I was 21 through a dating relationship. (laughs) This guy looked exactly like a tennis player that I thought was so handsome at the time. When he walked into my class, I was like, oh my gosh, he looks just like Stan Smith. (laughs) And um, through uh, the testimony of he and some friends, I um, went one night after we'd been together and they'd been sharing with me. I, when I got home, I got in the shower and uh, prayed to receive Christ. I've always thought it was very symbolic. Um, but it was like, this is real. You know, this is real. So um, uh, I, I try to be really transparent about my age and because um, people um, are very surprised when I tell them how old I am, but believe me, I'm this old. Um, and so um, I have been a Christian now for 45 years. So I'll be 66 in August, if, if, you, if math is not your strong suit. <laughs> anyway, um, um, so I have three big blocks of work experience. I taught school, I taught middle school math for 10 years in DeKalb County. And at the time there were uh, no middle schools, so we were in the elementary school. And um, it, people go, gosh, the, that age, you know. But it's a calling, just like the little ones are a calling. And uh, I had a great principal uh, who was a believer and um, it was just a great experience. Um, I, one day I was taking the whole line of kids to the bathroom and I thought, you know, I never want to do this again. It's time to move on. And so I had been teaching math and computers and and went to work for Executrain. And um, that was really in a very boom time of technology. And so, you know, here I have these two education degrees. And uh, the guy who owned that company really mentored me. And, um, you know, I'm doing spreadsheets and cash flow. And so I ended up, I started out as a trainer and I was head of training, head of training and consulting. Then I was a general manager of the Atlanta and Birmingham offices. And um, it, he just invested in me, I mean, hugely. And it was a massive blessing. He was not a believer. Um, and uh, I was Jewish. And, um, you know, anything I would ever try to say that was on a spiritual nature, you could just feel him. But so I pray for his soul to this day. But um, through Executrain, um, my boss there was great friends with someone at Chick-fil-A. And um, I went to meet with, have my status meeting with my boss one week. And he said to me, Mike was his name. He goes, Linda, I've got something to tell you. I just can't hold it back. And I was like, what is he going to say? You know, and so he goes, they're looking for somebody at Chick-fil-A to work with Dan Kathy. They've been looking for about a year and a half and they can't find anybody. I think you'd be great for that job. Are you interested? You know, and it's like one of those moments with Nehemiah before the king, you know, it's like a bullet prayer. You're like, God, what do I say? If it doesn't work out, will I lose my job here? It was such a step of faith to say, I think I think I would be interested. This is Mike's funny. He goes, Linda, unless chickens fall off the face of the earth, they're gonna be great forever. <laughs> Which with avian flu now, you wonder. But anyway.
anyway, so about a week later, Dan Kathy, so I'm working at Executrain. It's a Monday morning. I listen to my voicemail, and it says, Dan Kathy is coming to a class today at Executrain. He'd like to meet you. Oh, my gosh. I put the phone down. My friend Joanne that I mentioned, I call her, and I'm like, Dan Kathy is coming to Executrain. Pray. <laughs> and so um, he came in, and, you know, with some people, you just connect from the very first word. And he and I really connected. My friend Amy is here tonight. We work together at Chick-fil-A. I, I can't talk about her much. I'll start crying for sure. And, uh, but she can testify that we have a very special relationship to this day. And, um, you know, he had a massive influence on my life. Massive. So, um, but I, so he went to the class. We had lunch together. At the end of the day, he goes, would you like to go to a grand opening of a, the Dwarf House in Woodstock? And I'm, what do you say? Of course, yes, you know. So um, I truck up to Woodstock for the grand opening of a Dwarf House and, uh, you know, go home that night. My life was like that for the next eight years. I mean, from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, when you're working with somebody like that that's such a visionary, such a maximizer, you know, knows no limits, it is all-consuming. But it was a huge blessing, and the Lord used him to heal up some really broken places in my life in, in great ways. Okay. Um, Chick-fil-A is such a wonderful company. It invests in people so much that uh, over the training that we get there and the, the personal development, the professional development, they want you to come there and retire from there. You know, so I, uh, June 1st was 22 years from me. That's where I wear my name tag. Um, and so uh, just a huge anniversary. But over the years, these are three tests that um, through Chick-fil-A I've learned about and had a massive impact in my life. If you like testing to find out who you are, I think that's so crucial to serve God is how did he make me to serve him? So Myers-Briggs, your personality, you know, if you have disagreements with people, it's usually your Myers-Briggs. It's your personalities are different. Strengths Finder, if you're not familiar with that, Google it. Um, what it does, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful study that was done by Gallup. It talks about 34 different innate talents that people have. And at Chick-fil-A, they try to help us learn what those are, use those daily, use those as a leader. And, um, and then what is your love language? How do you receive love? And in the workplace, um, uh, is it Gary Chapman who wrote that? He spoke at Chick-fil-A right after, uh, right before he launched his new book that is called "Words of Affirmation in the Love the Love the Words of Affirmation in the Workplace." Great guy. And so it's important to know that in a relationship, but it's also important to know that in the workplace. How do how do I receive love? And then the last and most important thing is my go-to colors are always I always wear green. Always, always, always work green. So two of the young girls that I work with, Chloe and Katie, they were like, will you take a picture of your closet and bring it in? <laughs> and so I brought it in, and they're like, oh, my gosh. You know, I have the green bags, the green shoes, the green shirts, um, a lot of black pants. And um, so anyway, but I always wear green. And uh, on the, my 20th anniversary at Chick-fil-A, all the men in my department wore the Chick-fil-A green tie. And um, it was just really honoring. It was a really sweet thing. So, um, and, but this is my life verse. When I was a very young believer, I, at the church I was attending at that time, someone was talking about having a life first. If you don't have one, I would ask the Lord to ask, have you asked the Lord to give you one? And um, I was reading, and um, so this for, is, is my life first. <laughs> Let's see if I can get through it. <laughs> 
Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And I want to read um, Matthew Henry's commentary on the whole Bible. If you don't, if you've never read that or used that, it is so it's the language is not like today. Okay, let's just get, be clear. But um, it just the, he exegetes the scripture in such a beautiful way. And so this is what he says about a gentle and quiet spirit. Let's see if I can get through this. A soul beautified with the graces and virtues of the Holy Spirit. So um, I it, it didn't, and this verse has been misinterpreted and misused so many times. It's not saying don't look nice, don't take care of yourself, don't wear jewelry, don't braid your hair. You know, in biblical times, that's the way prostitutes dressed a lot. Um, but in our time, I would say it's the excessive attention to that or the excessive money spent on that. That is not, and the word imperishable there, all of us who are older can tell you, um, things are dropping every day. And, um, and so you, but people who are, the women um, who are older, who have walked with the Lord for a long time, there is a winsome quality that nothing else, there is no beauty like. So that would be my, I failed, the Lord really t- gave me a, some deep time to make some changes. Um, you know, I, last weekend, I, I canceled all things. I'm like, I've got to get this thing together, and it's got to be right. And so, and the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I need to start working on my talk. And he goes, I, we, you and I, we need to talk. And, uh, and so it was some things about a gentle and quiet spirit at work and, you know, accepting from God what he brings and not getting all bent out of shape and acting inappropriately and so it was like before, you know it was just time to clean house here a little bit um so I'm not saying that I'm saying that's a goal and that's a life journey um that I'm on uh and so in each of our stories I've talked about mine a little bit and but pain and disappointment and so what I did was um I put together a list of things that I think cause pain and disappointment in people's lives, but particularly in women's lives. And there are 15 of them. And so I'm just going to click through here. And what I'd like to do is just let them build. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about them. And so um, just think about these in your own life. See, um, you know, everyone has pain. Everyone has had disappointments. Um, you know, some stories you hear, the thing last night, the people killed in Bible study in South Carolina, and, and that young man saying, you know, I went there to kill black people. It's just, you can't imagine that a soul could be that dark, you know, and so um, it's part of our world, but as sisters in Christ, we can encourage each other in the walk here. So let's you know, the scripture talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is good, focus on these things. This will not be that. But that admonition lately has really been big in my life about people, about events. Very, very helpful. Okay.
So I'm going to talk about, um, so this is my list. You know, but I had to mention both my parents are, are, have passed away. My mom had one sister, Anne Helen, and um, after my mom passed away, I was so close to her. She was a teacher, taught fifth grade, and, um, you know, loved to read, and um, I would send her books that I had found, and we were just really, really close, and she passed away in November of last year, and um, next Saturday will be her, would have been her 90th birthday, and so <laughs> I miss her, you know. Um, so, um, you know, death is a separation. It's a separation. I know she's in heaven with Jesus. I know that. But it's still sad for me. <clears throat> I'm going to go in detail to number two and number three up there. And, um, but the last two have to, deal, have to do with family. You know, I, I don't have my own children. My youngest sister has three boys. Um, the two youngest ones uh, both are practicing homosexuals right now. And, um, you know, when all of that publicity came out about Chick-fil-A and what Dan said about homosexuality, it just caused so much problem in our family. Um, you know, trying to um, just walk through that, have faith in that, have hope in that, um, it was very, very difficult. And to see people go into that lifestyle deeper and deeper, um, it's just a darkness. And... Um, uh, they are deceived and they deceive. And um, you just cannot trust anything that they say. It's a, it's a very, it's a, my sister, uh, you know, I, I, she and my brother-in-law, I, I, I pray for them daily. I, I just don't know how they, they're dealing with it. But we, you know, pray, and, the, and so obviously the hardest part of that is my youngest nephew has red hair and we have always been really close and he is saved and still went into that lifestyle. And when that happened, it was such a crisis of faith for me. It was like, God, where are you? Um, and what's interesting is we've met and talked over, um, you know, through this time. I see Christ in him still, you know, and it was, that was such an encouragement to me. Oh, my gosh. But, it, you know, sin is sin. The Bible does say that sexual sin is, is a more deep thing because we take that into our body. So... It is very difficult. It's a very present difficulty. And then in my family, I'm really the only practicing Christian. They think I am ridiculous. And, um, you know, um, addictions uh, on that list before, generational sin, uh, alcoholism, drinking is rampant. And I've just gotten to the point now that I just don't stay very late in the evening with them because it's going downhill really fast. And then it gets really ugly. Um, but I want to talk about my father and uh, being single. Okay, light subjects, all right. Um, <laughs> okay. Back in my early 30s, um, I was working at Executrain, and this friend of mine was reading a book called Inside Out, Real Change is Possible if You're Willing to Start from the Inside Out by Larry Crabb and Gary Smalley. Have any of you ever heard of that book? It's not the cartoon that's coming out on Friday. Did you? I, this morning I'm getting dressed. I'm like, I hear Inside Out on the TV. It's some Pixar cartoon. I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, this is from the back cover. The promise of real change. You don't have to pretend you've got it all together when you don't. You don't have to pretend your best relationship deeply satisfies when it doesn't. 
You don't have to pretend your struggle with sin is a thing of the past when it isn't. Only Christians have the capacity to never pretend, says Larry Crabb. That's because real change is possible only when you face the realities of your internal life and let God mold you into a person who is free to be honest, courageous, and loving. If you want a more vital union with God, a richer relationship with others, a deeper sense of personal wholeness, Larry Crabb will help you look inside yourself and discover how God works real, liberating change when you live from the inside out. Um, so when I was like, well, of course, you know, I mean, there were some things in my life that I had been trying to change through effort, and it was just not working. Um, and in this book, Larry Crabb describes self-protection. That is not a, something I even knew existed, what that meant. Um, it's a major sin holding people in bondage. We protect ourselves from hurt and pain. As I read on, God began to show me how the hurts of my past had led me into the practice of self-protection, especially towards men. And um, as my friend and I talked about the book and our stories, she encouraged me to go to counseling. And um, I'm you know, grateful, grateful, grateful for that encouragement. And when I first sat down with a counselor, you know, they always ask, why are you here? And um, I go, I think I'm here about my father and my relationship with my father. And, um, and so she began to ask me some questions about my parents and um, the siblings and, you know, what it was like growing up in our home. And um, these are things I never had really verbalized before, said out loud, or really. Um, uh, so um, in his later years, my father uh, drank a lot. But more um, damaging to me than that was just he would fly into rages and um, be driving the car and just start screaming and yelling and I'd pull the car over and just a huge dramatic, you know, and yelling at everyone in the car. You know, it was just in restaurants, we'd go out to eat and he would be aggressive and arrogant and mean and uh, disrespectful towards servers and um, and towards me, it was ridicule, criticism, demeaning, while demanding perfection at the same time. Um, um, and so, um, so she began to talk about the characteristics of an adult child of an alcoholic, which is not something even I was familiar, even knew existed or knew what that was. There are 14 characteristics, and when she began to read the list, these eight really apply to me. And, you know, there is power in truth. Just to look at something and go, that's why I'm that way. That's why that happened. Um, I have tremendous fear of people. I had tremendous fear of people. Um, uh, especially angry people and people that are very um, volatile. It, it, my brother-in-law one time got mad at one of the kids and, and kind of had, kind of went off on him in a restaurant. I had such a flashback um, from all of that growing up. I, I was absolutely frozen. I could not move. And um, it, it made me see how far I'd come, but it, it brought it back as well. Um, 
Number five, stuffed our feelings from our traumatic childhoods and have lost the ability to feel or express our feelings because it hurts so much. Judge ourselves harshly. And the last one, reactors instead of actors. So true. Because you live in reaction to a person like that. You're not sure. It's like, what's it going to be like today? I still have trouble knowing what's appropriate from that because you lose all sense of appropriateness. Um, And the most damaging part of this is that words of affirmation are my love language, for sure. And so instead of being affirmed by words, I was really being destroyed by words. Um, I'll give you one example of just how deep that was, uh, my own fear of men. Um, If I needed to go, if I went into a store for something, it's something I needed, and there were only men that were sales help there, I I could not go up and and initiate conversation. I just couldn't put myself in that kind of an environment. (laughs) I just would leave, you know, and I'll go back later. Um, And in my own heart then, from all of that, I took a an extreme vow that no man after I leave home is ever going to have authority over me or ever have any control over me ever again. Um, so, you know, I've been a Christian for 10 years at this point. I had finished college, um, you know, gotten, been selected for this program at Emory, nine people out of the whole city. Um, I had a great job where I was really respected, bought a home. So I was functioning on the outside at a very high level but walking around destroyed on the inside. As a person, my spirit was just crushed. That's how I describe it. I just was crushed as a person. Um, But it was good to understand what had happened to me, what I had stuffed down, and this is such a pattern of people like this. You stuff it down and you try to move on, and that is impossible. it, it just is there festering. And, you know, I just needed to open myself up to God, let look at what happened, bad things happened there, but God is redeeming and restoring all things always. From the moment Eve sinned, and even at Adam and Eve sinned, God's promise of a Savior. The fall is not the end of the story. Redemption and restoration is the story. Um. You know, so in my early years, I had no desire to get married, as you can well imagine. Um, but over the years, I've been to counseling three separate times. And, and you know, you work on different things. You see growth, what I think is really hysterical. I work in IT. It's all men, all the time, you know. Um, I travel with our CIO, who's a person very different from me, and all of our senior leadership every year to this one event. Now, the first year, I have to say I did have anxiety. But now I'm just like, hey, I'm me, you're you, who cares? You know, which is massive growth. I mean, and not to be upset, not to even think about it anymore, you know? Um, but over the years, as God has healed that up, and Dan, before I went to Chick-fil-A, I'll have to say, I didn't think there were any good men. I really did not. And there are so many great men at Chick-fil-A. And, and Dan, you know, many things when I worked for him, I'd have these outbursts of anger myself. You, that's your only pattern for working. I mean, Chick-fil-A's had a massive influence on me at the, just in healing in so many ways. But, I mean, he was monumental in that. Um... So here I am at Chick-fil-A now. We hire young people right out of college. In a period of five years, we've given them a wedding shower and a baby shower. I have been to as many as three or four showers in a month. 
and because we have, right, Amy? I mean, it's a very expensive to be in IT. It's gifts, constantly. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it was tough at first, I'll have to say, but I was like, go to God. I'm like, God, you've got to help me here. I've got to be able to go to these things and rejoice with them. And I can say I can really do that now. But I would like to be married. I'll be honest about it, you know? And um, I'm not giving up on that. <laughs> and um, anyway, um, um, I've, here is such a truth. Do not focus on what you don't have. Focus on what he's giving you at the moment. When we are so focused on what we don't have, you cannot see the blessings that are there at that time. It isn't a spouse, it isn't a baby, but it's himself is the gift. All our hopes and dreams are found in Jesus. (laughs) There's a a great line from... um, Someone that I'm going to talk about in a minute it called, it says, I leave, all, I leave all my life in the hands that were wounded for me. Come to Jesus and live. That is my message about all of it. Okay. Um, uh, so, all right. The good news is I'm, a, I'm such a person who wants to ask the how question. How do we do this? How should we then live? The title of a great book written many years ago by Francis Schaeffer. I'm always asking that question. How should we then live? Okay. So I'm going to talk about two things that are ways that I think are the most effective ways. Are, are effective ways. There are some other things probably too. To deal with pain, disappointment, and And that is prayer and having someone in your life who is a little further down the road than you are or knows a little bit more about that, a mentor. Um, But let's talk about prayer first. Okay, everybody that knows me knows I am a Tim Keller groupie. And um, I love Tim Keller so much. I'm going to New York in July. The first thing I did was look on the website to see if they had a midweek service when I'm going to be there, and I'm crushed that they don't. But I get to see him on, you know, MP3 files, on, on, on a video all the time. But to me, he is the premier theologian of our time and makes Christianity and the walk real. And so this book came out in November of last year, and it has had a monumental impact on my prayer life. I consider prayer one of the highest callings of my whole life. And I love to pray for people, and every day I have a little post-it on my desk, and this is my list from today. Susan, stamina and no coughing for her Bible study. Rachel and Amber, set up tonight, healing, both of them. Janice Blaylock is sick. You know, so if you ever need prayer, call me. I'll put a post-it on my desk for you. But um, on the back of this book, or in this book, Tim writes this. This is powerful stuff. Prayer is the only entry into genuine self-knowledge. That is not something I would have thought to say. That's not something I knew at all. It's also the main way we experience deep change, the reordering of our lives. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things that we most desire. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. Wow. Sign me up. Um, 
So let's kind of unpack these. Genuine self-knowledge, what he made us to be to serve him, what he designed us to be. Deep change, save me from my besetting sins. Save me from generational sins. Um, reordering my life, habits I want to change, but don't just, but I don't seem to be able to do that. All the good things God wants to give me, bring them on. To how to treat God. He's sovereign. He's working in all things for our good and redeeming and restoring. To be everything and do everything I need to be in this life he has given me. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. None of these things are easy. They're not quick, but that is the journey of a life of prayer. So I highly encourage you to get this book. I have a handout that is an excerpt from this book, on, and it's on the table. And if you would grab one of those, I want, this is like the appendix. May I have one? Thank you. All right. I just had to give you this. I did give Tim credit at the end. But um, I, this has changed my life. Many of those things I mentioned there, the ability to change habits. Um, and so, you, all right, and let me say, I don't do this every day. Many times there'll be seasons of prayer, like Anne Graham Lotz in May had a series of nine days of prayer for our country. And I did that, and I didn't do this at all. But the, and Tim Keller himself says, morning and evening prayer are just life-changing. At the end of the day, if you notice here, number two, confess and repent of sins of the day. I, when I sit down, I go, Lord, show me my sins. That is a very scary sentence. Um, but I want to change. I want to go on. But there is something about starting your day and ending your day in prayer that is transformational. And so these are some examples here. And the prayers, the prayers that are here from John Calvin are just mind-boggling. And there is so much theology in here, so much right ordering for the day. Um, like, let's look at prayer upon rising from sleep. I pray this almost every day. My God, this is at the bottom of the first page. My God, Father, and Savior, since you have been pleased to give me the grace to come through the night to the present day, now grant that I may employ it entirely in your service so that all my works be to the glory of your name and the edification of my neighbors. I did change edification of my neighbors to the benefit of my family, friends, colleagues, and neighbors. It's, our life is not about us. Our life is about glorifying God and benefiting others, and then blessing comes to you. These are profound prayers, and so I highly encourage you to take a look at this. So it's a good way to get started. And every, you know, and you think you look up here in the morning prayer, and you think read, read and pray Psalm ninety-five every day. Um, Psalm ninety-five is a beautiful prayer of worship, acknowledging who God is, um, what he, what He has provided for us. And then the strong, uh, it's a strong caution against disobedience. What a great way to start the day. And the, and the ramifications of disobedience. Because there's a great story about this guy who was driving home into his subdivision, and a policeman pulled him over, and he goes, he's looking at the policeman like, what? And he goes, you're going 32 in a 30 zone. He's like, uh, 32, I'm, not, I'm going 32, it's nothing. 
and goes, you're going, and he writes up the, uh, the ticket and gives it to him. The guy's mad, he's sort of driving home, and he goes, he's just fuming, and, and the Holy Spirit says to him, that's how you see your sin. It's just a little bad. I think that's such a profound, profound. We're, it's either holiness or it's not, you know? Okay, I, I, I know my own sin in this area, that's why I'm sharing that. Okay, so we talked about prayer here. I've given you something really practical to take home. Please look at it. It's transformational, I promise. Um, okay, I talked about I wanted to get this thing, all of this in the bank this weekend because uh, I knew it was going to have a really busy work. And I've got 20 contracts I'm trying to close right now, and this is quarter end. And I, I, there are six that we really need to close now, but it's like insanity. So a Sunday, it, a Saturday, it did not come together. It's I'm not finished. I'm like stressing out. I'm like, God, do you see me down here? Um, so um, Monday morning, I'm meeting with two of our attorneys. And one of our friends at um, Chick-fil-A had a baby. And so I, I pulled out my phone to go to Facebook and um, show the picture of the baby and Janine. And Elizabeth Elliot died Monday morning. Who? All right, all you older people. Who has heard Elizabeth Elliot speak? Oh, younger people have heard Elizabeth Elliot speak. Who has no idea who Elizabeth Elliot is? Be honest. That's awesome. Be honest. All right. This is her. When I, when I saw that on Facebook, I was like, oh, Elizabeth Elliot died. I was like heartbroken. Um, Elizabeth Elliot is, to me, one of the most influential women, Christian women of the 20th century. Everyone... Every woman alive needs to know who Elizabeth Elliot is. And her influence on my life is monumental. So the reason I could not get my talk finished is Elizabeth Elliot had not gone home to be with Jesus yet. And I just didn't even know that that was coming. Um, so I'm going to, there have been many reprintings of her work. And um, John Piper, on his website, Desiring God, wrote Why I Love Elizabeth Elliot. And I'm going to read some things to you from this. Um, it, at the beginning of it, he says, um, at 6.15 this morning, it was written on Monday, Elizabeth Elliot died. It's a blunt sentence for a blunt woman. Not ungracious, not impetuous, not stampy or gruff, direct, unsentimental, no nonsense, tell it like it is, no whining. Just pull your britches on and go die for Jesus. Um, so, Elizabeth Elliot, um, I tried to get ahead of my story here. There's so much you want to say about Elizabeth Elliot. Um, God has his purposes and his ways for us. His, in Elizabeth Elliot's story, I'm sure, would not have been her choice. So her first husband, she was a parent of missionaries. She and Jim Elliott went to Wheaton together and were missionaries to a tribe of Indians in Ecuador. And he was murdered, speared to death in 1956. He and four other missionaries were killed there. And Elizabeth wrote these three books about the story of Jim Elliott and uh, these Indians in Ecuador. And... Um, and so many people on Facebook put, Elizabeth Elliot went through gates of splendor today to be with Jesus. Oh, gosh, amazing stuff. Um, so she was a strong voice for missions, but the things that have had the biggest impact on me was she's a strong voice for Christian womanhood and Christian purity. And her suffering doesn't just end with, the, with Jim Elliot being martyred. Um, 
her daughter was 10 months old. They stayed and worked there with these Indians uh, for two more years. One of the sons of the men who was killed eventually led to Christ, the man that actually was in there and killed his own father. So it's God is redeeming and restoring all things. And Elizabeth Elliot will say, I saw God working in one layer like this, but God was working on a scale that is so much bigger than anything she could imagine. And that's true for each of us as well. So, um, uh, John Piper wrote in his journal, I love John Piper, so funny. This morning as I jogged and listened to a message by Elizabeth Elliot, which she had given in Kansas City, I was deeply moved concerning my own inability to suffer magnanimously without pouting. She was vintage Elliot, and the message was same as ever. Don't get in touch with your feelings. Submit radically to God and do what is right no matter what. Put your love life on the altar. Keep it there until God takes it off. Suffering is normal. Love this. Listen to this. Have you no scars, no wounds with Jesus on the Calvary Road? That's Elizabeth Elliot. So let's talk about Christian purity. If you want to read a great love story, Passion and Purity is a phenomenal book. It is their, their love story. And it is a love story of putting your love life on the altar and leaving it there until God takes it off. Um, the Quest for Love is really stories about people that wrote to her after Passion and Purity. So it's answering questions, it's talking about that. But she, I, I went to a wedding recently where both of the young people had been, you know, had kept themselves pure for marriage. And there, there were, it was just a beautiful thing. I mean, it was, it was so, it was palatable, it was noticeable, and um, we all have sinned in these areas. God washes us white as snow. There is redemption. He puts our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. But if you haven't gone down that road yet, my admonition to you is don't. And Elizabeth Elliot in the book, this is one of my favorite lines of all times, when she talks about she and Jim Elliot when they finally did get married. She, and she talk, she, and talking about her wedding night, this is her, this is vintage uh, Elliot too. She goes, it was immeasurably worth the wait. Love it. Anyway, uh, John Piper and Elizabeth Elliot were on a panel once. And uh, he was talking about pursuing joy and she, she uh, with all your might. And she interrupts him and goes, pursue obedience with all your might. Go, Elizabeth. Um, but she's also a voice for Christian womanhood. And this quote to me is just, this, this is, we could all try to do this our whole lifetime. We are women, and my plea is, let me be a woman. That's the title of one of her books. Holy through and through, asking for nothing but what God wants to give me, receiving with both hands, with all my heart, whatever that is. That is surrender. Um, Elizabeth Elliot has been a mentor to me for years and years and years. Her books are available. Homemaking, I mean, just on anything you could think of. Um, and really, she was a, um, she's just awesome. Okay. Um, you have a gift from Rachel, and it's based on a verse that the Lord gave me recently, Psalm 62.1, and um, Oh, gosh, read this quote, though, first from Elizabeth Elliot. Sorry. 
God never withholds from his child. When I sent this to Amber, she said she was sitting at her desk crying. It made me cry. Um, That which his love and wisdom call good. God's refusals are always merciful. Severe mercies at times, but mercies all the same. God never denies us our heart's desire except to give us something better. Camp out on that. Believe that. Okay. Psalm 62.1. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Okay. So we're going back to Matthew Henry here. Um, I read this recently and I really just kind of had to stop in my devotional time. It's just so beautiful, so profound, and so antithetical to what we see in the world today. So um, Matthew Henry's talking about Psalm 62, and this is what I, with David, am doing tonight, I hope, through what I'm sharing here. David's exhortation to others to trust in God and wait for him for all good as he has done those who have found the comfort of the ways of God themselves will invite others into those ways. I'm inviting you into the comfort of God. There is enough in God for all saints to draw from, and we never, we shall never, we shall have nevertheless for others sharing with us. However it be, whatever difficulties or dangers I may meet with, Though God frown upon me and I meet with discouragements in my attendance upon him, yet my soul waits upon God. Say nothing against what he does. Quietly expect what he will do. This is, you have to really listen to this. It's it's kind of old school Um, language. We are in the way of both duty and comfort when our souls wait upon God, duty and comfort. When we cheerfully refer ourselves and the disposal of all of our affairs to his will and wisdom, when we acquiesce in and accommodate ourselves in the dispensations of his providence and patiently expect a doubtful event with the entire satisfaction in his righteousness and goodness, however it be. Therefore, let our souls wait on him to be conducted through this world to that eternal salvation in such a way as he thinks fit. That's Matthew Henry on Psalm 62.1. So that's a remembrance from this evening. So um, mentors have just, that is one of the main reasons that we, us older gals are here, is wanting to pour into the lives of young people. Um, um, Amy turned 40 this year, and... um, I can hardly talk about her. Um, you know, I don't have my own daughter, and in many ways, she's been that for me. But we are colleagues, we are peers, we are exactly the same. Um, and um, if the blessing she's been in my life, I, I can't tell you. I mean, it's incalculable, really. And so I'm like, you might want to say a word or two, you know, if, if you feel led to do that. Oh, she's crying too. Um, <laughs> Did you want? Would you want to say anything on from your side? Okay, come on up. <laughs> and our friend put us together. We both worked in graphics for events. And Susie, my friend, said, "You and Amy should work together. Y'all are just just exactly alike." Um, but there you go, buddy. Thank you for the cue. Um, 
And um, I said to Amy, well, Susie says we're exactly alike. Would you like to kind of work on this together? Oh, my gosh. We have done so many fun things. So one of our funniest things were we got to go down to Miami and stay at the Fountain Blue. Um, our room was like $650. And it was not a big room. And, um, <laughs> uh, but, but it had great bed. And so we went to bed at 6.30 one night and did not get up till 8.30 the next morning. It was heaven. It was heaven. No kids. That was awesome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, go ahead. You didn't tell me I was good. Okay. I know. Um, first of all, just thank you for, for being here. I saw the signs when I came in. It said for 20s and 30s, and I said, well, I'm 40. I don't know exactly where I fit in this crowd, but um, I would just do anything for, for Linda. And when she told me about this, I, I just said I had to go. And um, my husband, t- last night when I just reminded him that I was going to do this, he said, but you're leaving me with four kids at dinner time and only two of the kids kids are ours they have friends over and I said well honey you know Linda's going to share some of her testimony at, at church and he said well you have to go I'll, I'll just figure it out you know Paul is awesome oh my gosh yeah he's Amy wonderful. knows she, yes. Amy knows he's wonderful and um so he sent me a picture a little while ago four kids lined up eating spaghetti and meatballs and he was like I can do this <laughs> yes you can um but Linda has just when she talks about just needing a mentor, um, she is my rock at work. She's just my rock. And, um, you know, we work at Chick-fil-A and there's so many wonderful things at Chick-fil-A, but it's made up of people and their struggles and frustrations and trials. And, um, when I get frustrated, I'll just go to Linda and I'll say, okay, tell me. And she'll say, God is in control, not blank. (laughs) And whoever's name that day, you know, which we filled in with a couple names, a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> right. Um, but she's a constant encouragement to me. Um, you know, I have, I have my mother in my life, and I'm so grateful for her, and I have a sister, I'm so grateful for her. But to have Linda um, just giving me that outside perspective, I know she loves me and cares about me, and she's going to always tell me the truth, no matter what. And sometimes it's really hard to hear, but she says, I'll tell you this because I love you. You know, I'm for you. I, I want the best for you. Um, but one thing I love about her is that it, she's not married and I'm married and I have children. Um, she prays for my husband. She prays for my children. And she always says, I hope you know how lucky you are to have Paul. I hope you know how lucky you are to have him. He is wonderful. And I know I can tell her anything about him and, you know, she loves him just the same. But um, Paul and I always joke that Linda has just a direct line. If we have something we're really struggling with, we just ask Linda to pray for it. Because, and I'm telling you, if you have something you want her to pray about, she'll do it and she'll ask you about it and she'll really mean it. You know, people say, I'll pray for you all the time. This woman does. I mean, she really does. Um, But I just love her dearly. And... I'm so grateful for her, and I would just encourage you that if you don't have um, just someone in your life that mm-hmm. maybe has walked the road a little bit before you, mm-hmm. um, to find that person is really, really special. Thank you, so. Appreciate you. Thanks for doing that extemporaneously. Um, so I want to close with something that is just a precious message, I think, and that is, you know, each of our stories are unique and chosen. Chosen is such a wonderful word. Um, from all eternity, long before we were born, became part of history, we existed in God's heart. So stop comparing yourself. 
Comparison is the thief of joy. You are the only you there ever was. There is no comparison. You have some things in common with people. Do not compare. Comparison leads to envy. It's one of the seven deadly sins. And it leads to unhappiness. Focus on, ask God to show you how he's blessing you. Don't focus on what you don't have. Stop watching movies that have a Cinderella ending where all the issues are resolved in two hours and thinking what this is what my life is going to be like. That is setting yourself up for sadness. One Christmas, I watched this show. I love to decorate for seasonally for the holidays. This house was unbelievable. I was sitting there in the theater thinking, oh my gosh, I'll never have a house that looks like that decorated for Christmas. And after I left the movie, I thought, that is wrong. You know, that is... It's ridiculous. 18, you know, florists and floral designers spent $250,000 on that house. That is wrong. Um, and, but, you know, it was so beautiful. And I love to do that so much. You, you get into things that are not right for you. Stop that. Open yourself to God in prayer. One of the things that um, I think is so important is go to prayer and wait on God to speak ask him to speak. It's a relationship. It's a person. You know, God wants to speak to us if we'll just let him. But ask him just to help you. Uh, And so many times when I'm really in a bad place, I'll just sit down and I'll go, okay, you know I am X. I'm not going to try to hide it. You you know I'm in despair, discouraged, sad, heartbroken. Be honest. Get a mentor. Get someone that's been, get a, we all need guides. Get someone that's a little further down the road than you. And um, there's a beautiful line from the song um, Beautiful by Mercy Me. And this is what I'm going to close with. We are beautiful. We are treasured. We are sacred. We are his. Come to Jesus and live to his glory. Thanks, y'all. Hmm. Thank mm-hmm.